24 hours of stage points, both in the FFA Cup and in the A-League. Welcome everyone to another edition of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here with you on a Wednesday evening. As we recap what has been an eventful week in local football, both in the local competitions and in the A-League. Wow, that was a really poor sentence structure to start off with. Scott, can you save me? Uh, you're heading in the wrong direction if you want me to save you. Have you not heard some of the intros of the Sunday show? I have, and Adam, how are you? I'm good. What's happening, guys? Oh, not much. Just uh, freshening up my resume and highlight reel to send off to a certain commercial network. Uh, looking for the next A-League season. Just well, I suggest you don't send the last two minutes then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't worry. I'm just going to uh, burn this entire podcast and make sure that it never sees the light of day. Anyway, Adam just volunteered to to um introduce next week's show. I was going to say Adam volunteered to edit this show. (laughs) All right. Anyway, for regular listeners, you would know this is the Brisbane Football Review. Uh, If you want to get in touch with us, uh, Facebook, Brisbane. Oh, Facebook is the Raw Review. Twitter is at BNE Football. Uh, you can find live coverage of every Brisbane Raw senior match, plus select NPL uh, fixtures as well. Send in uh, comments, questions, topics for the show to brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. You can also uh, get in touch with us by liking, rating, and subscribing to our podcast feeds. Uh, Wooshka's the primary one. We're also on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, and a whole lot more. We always like hearing that we've got fans out there and uh, did get introduced to one in person down at Logan Lightning last night after doing the uh, FFA Cup fixture down there. So I'm just glad that it's someone not named uh, my mum listening anymore. So, yeah, off to a good start, I would say. And I probably should apologise for the opening two and a half minutes, but I'll be honest, it's probably not going to get much better. All right, let's get started and get into our A-League recap. Adam, and we probably won't spend too much time on Friday night's game down in Newcastle as Jay O'Shea managed to goal at both ends of the pitch as well as Riku Danzaki. But overall, it was another three points for the Raw against the bottom place side and another step closer to an A-League finals berth. It did seem to be a bit of a struggle, actually, for the Raw at times. Um, it probably never looked like losing the game, but um, but certainly Newcastle sort of did come back and sort of, well, it seemed to be sort of tricky. But uh, at the end of the day, Joe Shea sort of you know, contributing from both sides of the uh, of the goals. And um, yeah, look, a, in the context, a valuable three points uh, that sort of sets sail for their finals campaign, potentially. Yeah, I think that's the that's the beginning and the end of the Newcastle game, isn't it? It was the three points the Raw had to have, given what the way the way things had gone on the table for them. It was they had these two games here. They needed three points out of that Newcastle game, and they got it. It wasn't the best performance they've had all season. It wasn't the worst either, but Newcastle were... They hung around, didn't they? They, they were just hung around in the game. They weren't overly threatening. They had a couple of set pieces which they put in and obviously Jay O'Shea headed one in for them but the Raw had more than enough chances in the game. It was just about doing enough and they did enough to win the game and there's there's games like that in every season James. There's just games you have to win somehow, some way and that and this falls in that category for the Raw. That's what it basically boiled down to for me was you were playing the bottom ranked side. You were expected to get three points. You had no excuse but to get all three points and I do think as well I know we've said this I think for the last three weeks but you really can tell that the fixtures were starting to pile up for the Raw because they did look a little bit sluggish and it probably did just boil down to being a little bit overtired and jaded considering it had been such a rough uh, span of matches I think they're up to now eight matches in 26 days or something like that including last night's Newcastle uh, last night's Melbourne City match. But at at this point of the season, style points don't matter. And I just can't bring myself to, you know, criticise them too much because, yeah, at this stage of the season, as Sydney have demonstrated, you don't really get scored by how much you win by. You just need to keep winning. 
yeah, look, results matter, and that's it's a results-driven business. And uh, especially after disappointment going to this game, where you know they had where the Raw had sort of prime opportunity to climb as as high as second, where you now nine nine points up for grabs, and they picked up one. So it really sort of piled on the pressure that you know that this game really mattered as far as, you know, you know, there's no excuse as far as not picking up three points. Look, Newcastle are credit, that's probably the story of their season, that they they hang around, they're there, but just don't have that cutting-edge quality to sort of really, you know, pick up results, and that's and uh, that's probably, yeah, they're 14 matches now uh, without a win, and look, it sort of, you know, really sort of shows. So, for the Raw to, to win that, I think for them, it was... um. I guess it was, a, it was a positive result as far as, you know, getting over the sort of mental hump of, you know, playing a team that really, at the end of the day, didn't have much to play for. And sometimes they're the most dangerous teams are the ones that are really not trying to, you know, do anything other than play at the 90 minutes, especially when the other team has got an objective. Yeah, for sure. And, well, I think it's fair to say none of the three goals scored on the night, all by raw players, are going to go on anyone's highlight reels going forward. The two raw goals were off deflections, and let's be honest, it was a fairly lucky or unlucky bounce, depending on uh, what colour jersey you're wearing, uh, for O'Shea's own goal. It was, but they were pushing forward anyway, weren't they, the raw? They had yeah. a whole lot of opportunities to, to score even more goals in this game. We might talk about the three letters in a minute. Ruling out what to me was a pretty clear, a pretty clear goal. But I, again, the irony is, James, you mentioned that the Raw have been fatigued with eight games in 26 days, whatever it is. They had five days off between these two games, between the Adelaide game on the Sunday and the Friday night game. So maybe, maybe the rhythm of playing midweek had, had set in something they got used to, and all of a sudden without it, they didn't know what to do. But it was, they just did enough, didn't they? They did enough. Yeah, it that's wasn't it. great, but they did enough. Yeah, that's it. Um, it wasn't without concerns, however, because uh, Tom Aldred went down but played on with injury and Macaulay Gillespie both suffered injuries, which did rule them out of Tuesday night's fixture against City. It is basically just becoming a war of attrition between the raw players and their bodies at the moment, it seems like. But again, that's really all you can ask for is that they stay in as, or in as close to one piece as possible because... Yeah, they they do have a really good chance now to not only capitalise on this winning streak, but take advantage of some absences from some other players, which we will get onto later on. And if they can just keep themselves going, it's going to probably be more about mental strength than anything else at this point in time. But yeah, just staying in one piece is probably going to be the most important factor. It is, and they all have a long schedule ahead. Adam and I were talking about this after the game last night. Yes, they've still got three A-League regular season games to go, plus what we hope will be two, maybe three finals, depending on where they end up finishing on the table. But they've also then got Champions League after that, James, which could end up being a group stage played in a short period of time in a hub over in Asia. So the Raw, it's 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 a grind. We've mentioned it a few times on the show. It's a grind the Raw are in at the moment. And we've focused primarily on the A-League element. They've also got that coming up as well. So they just got it. You're right. It's it's going to be a battle of the fittest, isn't it? I mean, the Royal Aldred went down with an injury, played through, warmed up last night against Melbourne City, but didn't take part in the fixture, and Gillespie went off at half-time. I hope they're back at the weekend, but it's just it's just the... When you play so many games, James, you've got to accept there's going to be a few niggles here and there. Yeah, and that's that's exactly it. It's all it's all about uh, man management. It's all about you know, sort of this is where this is where the other you know, sports science of it all comes into it, as far as you know, not pushing to the absolute limit because there's no point uh, you know pushing your body to the absolute limit you know with with three regular season games to go potentially three finals games if they want to go and then beyond that uh, who knows how many games in the Champions League one guaranteed. Maybe two beyond that. So a lot of these players, they've got to figure out in the next, you know, in the next month how they can get through eight games, and a lot of those games are going to be high stakes games. So it's it's more than battle, just the physical, you know, skill and all that. It mentally as well, you know, knowing when to sort of, you know, to sort of not overexert. You don't ask anyone to not uh, to not sort of, you know, try at all and, and preserve. But it's a, such a fine balance between overexertion and sort of, you know, not putting in. And that's probably the point where you would need your experienced players like an Aldred, like a Jamie Young, uh, like Jay O'Shea, 
to really mentor these younger players who, you know, might just be thinking, I need to go 110% effort, 110% of the time, as they try and, you know, continue to battle for a starting spot in what is a fairly wide-ranging squad. I think that's about all we can really say on the Newcastle game. So, Scott... It's your well, turn. Let's talk about the VAR thing first with the Wendell Hall's goal. Do we I mean, have that's, to? That's a goal. It's, it's a goal, right? As far, that, from those what, lines are ridiculous. It's a goal. From what we could see off the freeze frames, yes. And you can find the image that I'm going to guess it was you, Scott, tweeted out on uh, Friday yep. night of the off, offside or lack thereof. But, um, yeah, I, <laughs> I think it's fair to say that the resources aren't there for VAR to operate in the way in which it was originally intended. I don't know what the excuse is overseas, but at least that's what the uh, mark is here. Now, Scott, three, two, one votes for this game, then we'll move on to City. All right, so three points for Joe Shea. Scored two goals in the game, but we'll give him more credit for the redemption story of the goal at the right end of the field. So three points <coughs> for Joe Shea. Two points for Alex Parsons. I thought he was brilliant again on Friday night. We'll talk about his performance last night in a minute, but on Friday night he gets two points. And Scott Neville at the back has been really, really good for the Raw, so he gets one point for me. Okay, there we go. Um, last night, up at Morton Daly Stadium, the two of you were there. I was at the very, very opposite end of the Brisbane CBD doing an FFA Cup game. Uh, so I was forced to follow along live and watch the match this morning. But it was a happy rewatch. I'll, I'll say that much because uh, the Raw picked up a 3-0 win over the Premiers uh, with Jay O'Shea burying both of his penalties with young gun Alex Parsons also scoring an impressive goal from a very tight angle. And this is what uh, Raw manager Warren Moon had to say in the press conference after the game. Yeah, look, we um, you know, we had our own concerns going into the game tonight, our own players missing, and uh, you know, weren't sure what they were going to put out. But uh, <clears throat> you know, in regards to the boys that did play in the performance tonight, we were really, really happy. It was excellent. Just on, I guess, uh, Alex, obviously... He's uh, shown why you've given him that contract with the performance you put in tonight. Yeah, he was good. You know, we got complete faith in the player, and that's why we did sign him. And you know, but leading into the preseason, uh, and then obviously into the season, he's been getting minutes, and rightly so, because his performances have warranted that. So, uh, no, we're, we're delighted for him. But uh, you know, he's a he's a senior player now. He's a first team player, and <clears throat> and we need him to step up and, and have performances like tonight. Look, I've said it, I'll say it again, you know, you either believe in them or you don't. And uh, I believe in talent from the NPL, I believe in young players from our academy and, you know, I'll have people that will say otherwise, but I'm a believer, so I'll play. Alright, that was Warren Moon after the match and I think it's fair to say he'll be quite happy with that performance, Adam. Yes, he was. Um, look, it was sort of some of the nights of you know that we've been waiting for a while, as far as you know the raw showing up at Morton Daly Morton Daly Stadium. You know, we actually saw the sprinklers out uh, before the game, <laughs> which is which is you know, always a good sign. That it was a fa- it was a fast track, and uh, and yeah, look, and um, you can probably make excuses for Melbourne City that you know they'd wrapped up the Premiership. Yeah, you know, they, they they had six players, you know, that that sort of came into that side and whatnot. But that's about as far as um, the excuses go for Melbourne City. But because I think the Raw sort of took it to them and, and look and, and thoroughly deserved the win. They they completely outplayed Melbourne, and I really at no stage um, thought that the Raw need trouble. That's that, that's how well they did it. Yeah, that was the biggest surprise for me is the fact that they just. It was a rotated squad, obviously. Courtney Perkins, Daly and Champness came in for Aldrich Gillespie and Riku, who, as I found out this morning on the broadcast, was nursing a head cold, um, which is why he didn't play. But overall, it like it was a pair of rotated squads, but I think, for me, it showed that the Raw's depth is probably better than City's on the night. It certainly was on the night, and just before we talk about the game, it was we've seen a lot of dip... Interesting reasons why Raw games have been postponed this year. We've seen COVID interruptions. <laughs> We've seen rain. It would have been a completely new one if it had been a city-wide power outage that had prevented the game last night. But it did go ahead, and the Raw were fantastic, weren't they? You mentioned the depth. The young guys stepped up once again. Alex Parsons was unbelievable, but he wasn't alone. There were a number of really good play- performances from the Raw last night. I do think City, it did seem like they were flat, didn't it? They had that 
had that massive high at the weekend of winning their first trophy in the A-League. I know they won FA Cup, but that was not in the A-League. They were very flat. They came out flat, actually, in the Raw. Were very strong right from minute one, actually, as there's an interruption in the background from James's dog there. But, well, but yeah, I, look, they were, they were, the, raw were, the Raw were really strong, weren't they? Right from minute one, they got the penalty early on with Parsons getting hacked down. And they were just... They were right up for the game, weren't they? They were just up for it from minute one, and the energy was there. And in the front third, the energy was there. The front third in particular, Adam, with Champness, Parsons, and Wenzel Halls, I thought were fabulous. And the energy and the explosiveness of that front third was really something to watch. Yeah, look, it's one thing that, you know, we, we did note, that it was a younger side, but you could tell it was the enthusiasm of a, of a younger team because they, they just came out, showed sort of, you know, no, I wouldn't... I don't think he's the one showed no respect... But they showed fearlessness as far as you know all all sort of the all the hype would have been around you know Melbourne City you know they they've been near, they're the nearly crowned premiers and they came out there and treat them as if you know they're just another team not not putting them on that pedestal and I think with the with the the youth players in that side they just showed feel just absolute fearlessness and. No, Alex Parsons just gave you know gave Ben Garuscio and Daniel Georgievsky early just absolute hell trying to trying to contain him in the first half down that right hand side, and yeah, and like I said, he he, he last night we we said it we said it last night on the ground, it's not a case of oh the emerging star has arrived. A star is has arrived because he is just you know just this meteoric rise in the last month since he you know was given his debut. It's just you know, it's incredible how much and he was rewarded with you know with a senior contract. We will talk about the contract in a minute, but I thought he was fabulous last night. And everyone's talking about the goal he scored beating Sutton on the near post. It was a great finish, but I really like his work in the lead up to win the ball back in the defensive third, hold up the ball against a pretty strong challenge there from a Melbourne City midfielder turn and then release daily but then make the make the heavy run to get down there and get on the end of it and point where he wants I thought the, his whole involvement in that in that play was fabulous and just shows you the rise of him and just shows you what he's really all about the not just the flashy stuff at the at the front end it's also the grit he's got as well yeah and that's uh, that was actually the move that I wanted to highlight as well Scott is the the way that he worked in the build-up uh, to that goal. And the other thing that I did also want to just, yeah, mention with Parsons is we've known for a while that there is a very strong group of attackers coming through the Raw Academy. And the big question for me has been, you know, who's the leading contender out of that group? And to be honest, I've, I've, honest, I've always thought it was going to be someone like Keegan Yelisic who was going to be the most promising player. But based on what I've seen in the last month, it's hard to say it's going to be anyone other than uh, Alex Parsons, although Cyrus Demi might give him a bit of a run for his money later on. But yeah, I think it's fair to say right now, his confidence is as high as it can be. And I'm really glad to see uh, Warren Moon not only rewarding him for it, but continuing to have as much faith as possible in the youngster. Yeah, and um, like I said, it's been, it's just been just a, a great year for Alex Parsons. You know, whatever... Right, so we've all, all obviously from the very beginning, you know, when he when he sort of joined the Raw after his stint at Central Coast Mariners, we've seen him come through the MPL side, you know, up until this point last night, where basically he announced himself as an A-League footballer, and yeah, like I said, but this year especially, he has just gone to another level. It's confidence. It's confidence in himself. It's confidence in his abilities. And he's just backing himself. At some point, that confidence may get dented. You know, at some point, it, you know. The opponents are going to work him out, and they're going to go. You know, he's going to he's going to draw some, you know, the best defenders in the league. Right, rather than at the moment, you know, he's probably still going under the radar a little bit. But it's how it's how he deals with that, and I think he just needs to enjoy the ride at the moment. And um and yeah, and like I said, as I said, he he just he proved himself last night is that he he's a deserving senior footballer, and he's a starting player at the moment in that side. And even though having signed that contract, James, the Raw may very well be fielding offers for him. Like I reckon there's going to be... I don't think he'll go anywhere, James, but I wouldn't... Would you be surprised if there were clubs over in Europe interested in him? With what he's showing at the moment, it's, you've seen in the past, it's only taken a couple of couple of games for players to get noticed here. I hope he stays, and I think if he does, I think he will stay. Just to make that clear, I think he'll stay, but I wouldn't be shocked if there was interest in him all across the world, because 
what he's showing at the moment is absolutely fantastic. And it's not just the goals, not just the goals we talked about. It's his all-round game is absolutely fabulous. And if he could, he, look, he's got the platform now to be able to build on that for the next couple of years here in Brisbane. But he could really go to not to the top of the world, but he could make it to Europe quite comfortably if he continues on this trajectory. I yeah, I agree, and I guess that feels like a veiled shot at Kwame Yaboa getting a move overseas after. Oh, there's a whole host of them you could look at. I know. I just wanted to. Not that's just, just the raw first. Either. That's just the first raw name that did pop into mind. But overall, yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it could also be just a bit of insurance from the raw, making sure that if someone does want to come on, like come to the raw with an offer, they're saying, "Well, he's a senior contracted player. You're going to have to give us what is worth." Well, I'm no player agent, but I would be saying, you know, maybe just give yourself another season or two in the A-League. You're not an old man by any stretch. And just, you know, time your move right because you really hope that he's uh, not in a position where he needs to rush his development by any stretch. Um, well, he's in yeah. a good spot for his development, isn't he? Because Warren Moon's a coach has shown he will develop young talent. And this is the, and this is the big thing, isn't it? It's not just... Alex, who's come through, Cyrus also signed this week, and he got an opportunity last night. And there are a couple of others in the squad who got an opportunity, and it's the continuing trend, isn't it? Young Queensland talent that we've seen in the NPL getting an opportunity, and they keep rewarding him. They were some of the best performers on the field last night. I thought that Jesse Daly and Joey Champs were fabulous as well out there, and so it's the it's the core of this young group here really performing as a group, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, and that's probably the big. Uh, takeaway for me is just obviously Jordan Courtney Perkins came in as well and had a fantastic uh, performance. Adam, I can't see you with your uh, your hand raised with the Skype background. Uh, it makes you just look like you're uh, Anakin Skywalker in Episode Two, uh, just waving this stump where your arm used to be. I have no idea what that reference is, but uh, <laughs> no. The point, the point, and the question I asked uh, Warren Moon at the, the press conference last night was thirteen players. In this that that match day squad were under twenty three. Now that's that that is a marvelous achievement. Not all of the pl- those under twenty three players came solely out of the academy, but there is a, a, a large number, um, including uh, Brandon McMorrow, who didn't get on didn't get on the uh, field last night, but obviously he's been rewarded for great form in um in in, in the MPL. So yeah, it's just the the. The academy at the moment is just it's just churning out players at the moment, and and the great thing is that Warren Moon is willing to back those players and you know, and give them the opportunity. Even Hassan Ramazani, you know, got onto the pitch last night. We were calling for weeks, saying that you know he needs to, he needs to get an opportunity. Well, he got time. He got a fair whack of time last night to you know play his first senior minutes. So it's it's showing that you know the youth the youth movement at the Raw it's, it's a very very strong one. Just on Ramazani as well, you know, everyone talks about, you know, wanting to make your professional uh, footballing debut, you know, 85th minute of a derby, you come on, score the equalising and winning goal or something like that. I would much rather have that sort of debut that uh, Ramazani had where you're coming on 3-0 up at home against an opponent that's probably not playing at their peak. That is the best possible landing spot to try and come and make a great first impression because... There's no pressure. It's a win-win situation. You, you get that first match nerves out of the way. And, yeah, it it comes across quite well. The final point I did want to make on this uh, match before we move on, because we do still have quite a bit of news to cover as well, um, just the effort and drive of the team to keep their clean sheet intact at the end of the match, I that, that, that warmed the cockles of my heart, I think is fair to say. Yeah, I mean, you saw the block from Jordan Courtney Perkins but with 15 minutes to go, or whatever it was, and they all they all gathered around and started celebrating. It was all that like was celebrating a goal that block because it was keeping the clean sheet intact, and that's what I asked Warren. I thought, what were you most happy about? Were you happiest about the fluid football in the front third, which was fabulous, or the fact that they fought so hard to keep the clean sheet? And as you'd expect, his answer was happy with both. But I think they were. I think that's a real positive, James, was the fact that they were they did grind out that clean sheet against what is. Still a really good Melbourne Seaside. Yes, they weren't at their best. They still had some good players on the field, including, particularly in the first half. Jamie McLaren had a couple of good opportunities, which Jamie Young did well to deny. So to keep that clean sheet against that opposition is a really good achievement as well, as the obvious positives in the front that we've just spent the last 10 minutes talking about. 
Definitely. All right, final point on this match. Adam, your points. 3-2-1. Um, well, just, just before I get to my points, um, just a couple of other points I'd like to make is was the, the fact that I'm, I'm so happy and so glad that the Raw did, did, did give um, Melbourne City the guard of honour. I think that was a wonderful touch. I think, you know, and I think that's, you know, a sign of respect. And also as well, I'm very heartened to see Jamie McLaren get a good ovation off when he was subbed off in around about 68th minute. Um, obviously, 40 goals, um, 40 goals for the club and not as polarising as one best up Marisha. And he get he got a very, very nice applause. So it was like, a, it was a good night all around. I think a lot of people went home happy from... Um, Morton Daly saying last night. Now, my points for the uh, player of the year. Uh, three points to Alex Parsons. Two points Jesse Daly. One point Jay Shane. Yeah, also mentioned we mentioned Hassan Ramazay got his debut. So too Anthony Burke Gilroy in the game. James players 180 and 181. And I know you want to move on from the A-League, but we should... It's not in the runs, but we should very quickly mention the scenes in Wellington over the weekend. I know we were all watching it. It was that fabulous, was awesome. wasn't it? It was so yeah. good to see, wasn't it? Yeah. Now, if those... Um those theatre goers actually showed up week after week, I wouldn't have been Nick's out for so damn long. That, so, look, you've shown that there's interest for a football team there. Keep it going, because that looked awesome. And I love the I love the worldwide coverage that the shirts off 80th minute uh, <laughs> got as well. So. It, was that, it was either that or the, um, the Ollie Sale autograph. I'm not sure if you that guys too. saw that. I did not, so fill us in on that. Oh, no. Hang on, I don't know. It's just, this is, we're in a PG time slot, aren't we? Okay, I'll, I'll take move that on. to yourself. No, and tell on. everyone to Google that. Um, yeah. as, as we've mentioned quickly, um, we'll just yeah confirm this. Uh, Alex Parsons and Cyrus Demi have signed new contracts with the Raw. Parsons is now a full senior A-League player. Demi, I'm assuming, has taken his spot with the uh, scholarship deal. Channel 9 News did a really good story mm. on Demi, and... I'll, I'll be honest, like, I'm sure his family got him a lovely birthday present, but I don't think uh, it would have topped the scholarship contract from the Raw. I'm just, just going to throw it out there. So, happy birthday, Cyrus. Or even or even the Den actually singing him happy birthday. That was uh, <laughs> that was quite quite wonderful too when he came on. So, yeah, no, no, great story. And um, yeah, great, great to see um, John Upton from Channel 9. Uh, really, he really does. It's done a sort of good job, you know, covering the Raw. You know, we've sort of been critical of Channel 9, you know, and their lack of coverage over the years. But it's certainly really, you know, sort of picked up lately. And that, that was a great story about Cyrus Demi. Who is a, it's, a, it's a really feel-good story. And look, he, his future is limitless. Absolutely. Uh, Alex Parsons spoke at a media opportunity uh, after his new deal was announced. And this is what he had to say after that announcement. Obviously, when I came into the squad about, well, what was it, about three, four weeks ago, yeah, it's happened really quickly and, yeah, just happy to sign. Obviously, been working here all pre-season and, yeah, tops off a good start to my career. I guess um, you, you, you sort of made the A-League debut early in the season, but it's really been the last sort of few weeks that you've had that consistent run in the team. Have you done anything differently over to, to get in there or once you got in there? Or? Oh, yeah, obviously got a taste at the start and once you get a taste, you want more of it and, yeah, I think... Had to wait a while. We um, obviously started the season really well and I wasn't involved. So when that happens, you just got to bite your time. And yeah, injuries happen and I got a chance and I feel like I've taken that. And what does it mean, I guess, having the having a deal locked in? What does that mean for you as a player in terms of building and, and progressing your career? Yeah, well, obviously it's, it's what you want as a player. You want a little bit of security so you can work hard and not have to wear stuff off the field. And now I feel like I've got that. I can really push on and hopefully continue. All right, that was um, Alex Parsons there. And if you do want to see that Channel 9... Um, new story. It's going to be available on our socials, the Raw Review on Facebook, at BNE Football on Twitter. And yeah, if you're not following us on that already, why not? Absolutely, anyway. why not? Plenty yeah. of great footballing coverage on there, all across Southeast Queensland, as you mentioned earlier. And the NPL Sunday show. Oh, yeah, that. Absolutely. There's also that. There's great yeah. stuff, and then there's that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, miss, it's missing the uh, big factor of the Brisbane Football Review. Or is it big personality, big a-hole? Um, I don't know. I've been called a lot of things. Anyway, the best news that came out today was that uh, the A-League and W-League is go- are both going to have a new TV home as of next season, thanks to a five-year deal with Channel 10 and Paramount+. Plus. So, 
Forty million dollars a year, thirty-two million plus eight million in contra. Adam, you're the businessman here. In contra, can you translate that into English for me? Um, I actually, I actually have to look and see what I know what in contra means. As far as obviously, there's a payment going the other way. It might actually have something to do with the equity. Um, that, that's a very, very important uh, factor. That Scott, it's yeah. I can tell you, it's advertising and promotion, James. Yeah. It's there thirty-two million for the actual money straight over for the broadcasting, plus an additional eight million in advertising and other such stuff. So expect the, all, all the jokes about players appearing on The Bachelor and have you been paying attention and other stuff. Yeah, that's that's what contra is. I know. <laughs> I I've, I've had the wait. same thoughts all all day about stuff like that. It's I, great. I, I cannot wait to yeah. see the first A League player who's never seen Have You Been Paying Attention go on yeah. there because. Yeah, that that's probably my favourite non-footballing show, in large part with Ed Cavalier and Sam Pang and company. So I, I think that's going to be a must-watch bit of TV. And even so, if there is any truth to, and there are some good-looking roosters, uh, you know, in the A League and uh, some very eligible ladies <laughs> for the Bachelorette, but they would all be the second because don't forget uh, everyone's favourite Michael Turnbull, you know, flew the flag for um for for. Uh, yeah, for footballs on the bachelorettes, uh, bachelor bachelorette sort of uh, syndication. So, so yeah, so that wouldn't be anything new. But yeah, look, I, I think it's just yeah, it's a positive time, and you know, well done to all those involved to get uh, that deal over the line with Viacom CBS. Bench former, not footballer, Adam. Wow. <laughs> anyway, um, so some of the details of the deal: uh, Saturday night A League fixture in prime time, live on Channel 10's main channel. Uh, Sunday afternoon W League game live on 10 Bowl, which I believe has an HD option as well. So you don't have to worry about that being in SD. Um, rest of the games will be on the new streaming service of Paramount+. Plus. And by the sounds of it, the concerns about $9 a month being too much for some football fans compared to whatever the hell they're paying for Foxtel and or KO at the moment. Um, it sounds like uh, they're working on deals for A-League club members as well to get a discounted uh, rate during the first season. So, look, I'm, I'm just going to say, you know, if anyone at Channel 10 is uh, looking for a local Brisbane-based commentator, I am certainly available and I am certainly cheap-ish. But, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a fantastic move. Obviously, the first thing they have to do is sign up Simon Hill. The second thing would be find someone along the lines of Murray Shaw who... Like when Foxtel uh, was flying with its football coverage, he was the man behind it. He's with Channel 9 and Stan Sport doing an excellent job on their Super Rugby coverage right now, much better than the Australian 0 for 10 teams. And he's, yeah, he's really uh, probably one of the premier broadcasters. And yeah, 10 are probably going to have to try and find someone similar to that, Adam. Yeah, so that's important. You know, the the behind-the-scenes... Um talent I think is just as important as the on-air talent like it, it sounds like it's a no-brainer that you know Simon Hill will probably be on the top of the wish list as far as for, for 10 and Paramount Plus's coverage uh, of the A-League next year um, and look I'm sure there'll be opportunities for others. Uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see where the current uh, Fox Sports talent, uh, such as you know Mark Bosnich or Robbie Slater or Andy Harper, where they may may end up, um, whether they would jump jump ship to that you'd, you'd hope so but who knows so it, it's going to be an interesting time next few months and also as well it may not be so long before we see you know football on uh paramount plus and 10 because we we still don't know when the new a-league season starts with rumors around that you know we may be heading back to an october kickoff yeah there's a lot of positives in there james when I mean, you've seen in the past what channel 10 have done with this well it's been pretty good i remember they had the AFL for a lot of years back in the 2000s. That was pretty good. What they did with the Big Bash Cricket to elevate that from an, an almost a nothing product on Fox when they got it to being the behemoth it is now, that was largely through a lot of stuff they did. If they can revitalise the A-League with their broadcasting, fingers crossed, that would be fantastic. But I think you're right, getting the people around this is going to be really important. Now, in terms of who's putting it together, I mean, you mentioned Murray Murray Shaw, he was he was fabulous for football for a long time. Richard Bayless did a great job at Fox as well. Maybe they can look at bringing in people like that. But in terms of the on-air team, it'd be interesting. I think look, Simon Hill's the obvious one. He's the yeah. obvious one. But, I mean, apart from that, 
do you go with fresh faces? Because that's the other thing that Channel 10 did when they went for... Yeah, yes, we'll get we'll get Simon Smell's contact details to <laughs> Channel Ten, but but they went for a lot of different voices, didn't they? That's what they have done in the past. They don't necessarily recycle commentators from other places. They tend to get them from in the game, but not people who've had an opportunity in the past. But you probably better talk about this, James. Didn't when Foxtel lost the rights to rugby, didn't about half of those people jump straight over to Stan? Yes, they had Nick McArdle, who was the face of the. Uh, rugby hosting uh, he's now heading up the Channel 9 coverage and again I'm a big fan of him I think his old uh, Fox Sports uh, News co-presenter Adam Peacock is probably the best option to try and lead the studio show Um, I don't hold it against him in any way shape or form but as long as Peacock is doing uh, studio hosting and not trying to corral uh, Bozza and Slater from a studio in Sydney doing a game in Adelaide or something that's probably got to be... Um, that would be where his strength lies. And look, you do need a little bit of a familiar face. You probably don't need to go overboard and say, yep, let's get... Let's just copy-paste every single personality. Obviously, you've got Tara Rush and Mel McLaughlin as well, who are both more than capable. I would not be surprised if Steph Brantz, uh winds up coming on board, even just as a freelance commentator for the W League, and she could probably handle an A-League game as well. Not probably, she could. She could, um, yeah. But the one name that I want to throw out, and this may cause a few people to cringe, but if I'm picking a local name for the lead football analyst doing co-commentary, you know, one or two games per week and in-studio stuff um, another day and what else, I'd be calling up John Aloisi. He does a really good job on Optus, and I think while he struggled as a coach... He could turn out to be the preeminent football voice in Australia going forward because I think he is fantastic in that role. The way he breaks down the games, he would be a phenomenal pickup if they can prime away from Optus Sport. He'd be perfect. He'd be absolutely perfect sort of person who's not been involved in the A-League for the last couple of years but certainly knows his football and is a recognisable face. The other one would almost be Craig Foster. He's no longer with SBS. He's obviously doing a lot of stuff outside of football. You can almost see him almost on the project half talking about that sort of stuff, half promoting the A-League as sort of a yeah. thing. So you can see that you could see that kind of working, couldn't you? And Aloise, uh, Adam Peacock, John Aloisi, Craig Foster trio in the studio on a Saturday night A-League game throwing to Simon Hill and somebody calling, probably Andy Harper calling alongside of him the, the A-League game on, on primetime Saturday night. You could see that working, couldn't you? I would honestly almost be tempted to put Aloisi with Simon Hill. I think that's that works too. where he could also uh, work out there too. As far as studio host goes, um, I think we've also forgotten Lucy Zelich. I think uh, she would, you know, as far as the face face of sort of you know of of the you know, of the hosting role, you know, I think I think she would be perfect for that. So yeah, look, there's there's plenty of. Um, I think the one thing I guess in summary is that there's plenty of football talent, you know. On, on on camera out there that aren't aligned with Fox Sports that could really come into the fold that we know and you know, names that we know and trust. Um, you know, there's there's even sort of you know someone like a you know a Paul Wade even you know that you know like the, those sort of you know names they're from the old you know SBS when SBS was king of soccer you know in this country. So I think it's I think the bottom line is that it is a new dawn and and, and look and we could really say as well we just shouldn't just completely disrespect Fox Sports you know I know I know they've come in for a lot of stick over the last couple of years but look and then again you know like I said over the 15 years um, they they you know they have been a great partner and got you know you know football to this point where you know someone like Ace you know Viacom CBS you know, and even you know, Channel Nine and Stan, who were apparently the you know the second bid in this, to where you know the, where the game is actually at that point. So I know there's been a like there's a lot of sort of just spot fires, which Fox Sports sort of you know dropped the ball and probably to, for their own at their own sort of you know detriment. But certainly you know on, on the whole over the last 15 years, you know they they put football in the matter. That should not be forgotten their their contribution. Yeah, that's exactly it. Obviously, the last couple of years have not gone the way anyone would have hoped but I think yeah the the role of Fox in getting the A-League off the ground and you know getting it through its probably highest point in the early part of the 2010s should be uh, commended because 
that, like that was one of the best brawl, put together broadcasts I've seen. So, yeah, obviously, you know, it's a shame that it's ended the way that it did, but not much you can really do about that. Yeah, that was the one last point I wanted to make on this as well, was the work that Fox did. Not just forget about the last couple of years when it's been a bit of a circus. The first 13, 14 years of the A-League on Fox were absolutely fantastic. And James is right. There would be no professional A-League if it wasn't for Fox Sports stepping up, saying we'll we'll broadcast this and largely pay for this in its infancy. So you've got to give Foxtel credit where it's deserved there. And some of the stuff they've done has been really good. There's some innovations which can probably be left on Fox, things like interviewing players in the warm-ups and these halftime interviews. All that stuff can probably be left on Fox, but they've done a lot of good things over the 16 seasons so far, Fox Sports, and we've got to give them full credit for that. One last idea for Channel 10, by the way. we meant, You mentioned have you been paying attention. They've already got Sam Pang. Ed Cavalier does stuff already for the A-League on socials. Let's just get, let's get that band back together. That would be perfect, <laughs> wouldn't it? You have a pre-game show the A-League game, and then after that, late night Santo Samonette on a Saturday night. That's that's how you wrap this thing up, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Here, here. Uh, Sunday night Santo Samonette after the final game. Either way. Yeah. Um, there are just, yeah, two more points I want to make very, very quickly before we move on. Um, I don't think this is going to be the last piece of football rights that um, Channel 10 slash Paramount acquire, and that's probably going to be where their... Um, where their stuff, uh, where their supporting cast will come from, because let's be honest, I think there's quite a lot of football fans out there who will say, "I'm not signing up just for the A League," so they probably do need to get that second bit of uh, content. Um, and Paramount have acquired a two and a half percent stake in the A League and W League, so they now have a vested interest in making this product as good as it can be. So that's the most exciting part, and we can't wait to see what gets announced more, because there will obviously have to be a few more uh, broadcast rights coming up here in Australia. Now, <clears throat> the Socceroos, they're actually back in action next, I want to say Friday night? Thursday. Next Thursday night, there we go. They're taking on uh, four World Cup qualifiers to close out the final stage of uh, Phase 2 of AFC qualifiers. The, I think their last match was November 2019 when they got halfway through their group with a perfect record. Don't think they're going to have too much trouble. Um, Graham Arnold has announced his 31-player extended squad for the World Cup qualifiers, and we'll have a preview of that with Alex from the Queensland Socceroos fans uh, on next week's podcast. Ten A-League players were included in that squad, um, three each from Melbourne City and Sydney FC, one from MacArthur, one from the Mariners, one from Perth, and one from the Wanderers. That being said, Melbourne City coach Patrick Kiznorbo wasn't too happy with that selection. Disappointing to us for the game, you know, like we talk about integrity for the game and stuff and, you know, we're playing a final series in, uh, we, we're playing a final series with these internationals. So I think the game needs to have a whole broad look at itself, you know, and look, it's not just us, you know, I'm sure you know, other teams that might lose one or two or three maybe uh, players, you know, feel the same. Um, but... The question I ask is, how can we still play a league, um, you know, when there's international breaks? Like, it, it, it's 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 crazy. Like, if we if we think it's normal as a game, I don't know. I, I don't. Um, but look, it is what it is. You know, so so what, what what do you want to do? What can I do about it? You know, we talk about integrity. Is it integrity? You know, is it a great show of our game in Australia? I don't know. You have to ask the powers that be. They're the ones that control all this sort of stuff. So I'm only here to coach my team and worry about my team. It's hard to disagree too much with what uh, Kiz Norbo um, was saying, you know, in terms of losing players for what is, according to the A-League, the most critical part of the season, the finals. But that being said, how much of a pass are you giving it because it's just trying to get everything sorted with COVID, Scott? Oh, this has been known for a while, hasn't it, that there was going to be a hub for the World Cup qualifiers in June. It was going to clash with the A-League finals, and the A-League has no international breaks. This has been the issue for a while. People have been calling for international breaks. Well, the clubs run the show now. If you don't want to lose players for A-League finals, put in an international break as of next season. Bring it back. That's the easy solution. As for this year, everyone knew it was coming, right? Everyone knew that Graham Arnold was going to call up certain players for the A-League finals, but my sympathy with City is I have some for them and Sydney losing three players each, but it's it's tempered in this, in this way, particularly for City. They've got, for them, look, 
for them with finals games, it's two games at home. If it, if if it all goes right for them, it's two home games. And yes, they've lost Jamie McLaren, the league's best goal scorer, but they've still got players in the front third who can who can do the job for them if they turn up. They've got Subaki, who was great last night for them on the right hand side. Noon will be on the left. Florin Berenguer is their number ten, and Adrian Luna floating around as a number nine. That's four players. Coincidentally, also four visa players. My sympathy is pretty low when you still got that out there. Yes, McLaren is a loss, and so is Curtis Good and Connor Metcalf. But I think the losses for Sydney are greater. To lose three players out of that back five is probably a bigger loss than what has happened for City. So I have some sympathy, but teams knew this was coming anyway. Plan accordingly. And just on that as well, I I have to go back and uh, to your point about international breaks. They had them and everyone hated it. Oh, why aren't we taking weekends off? Why are we taking weekends off when we're only losing a handful of players? I honestly think, like, these clubs have been completely and utterly screwed over by Graham Arnold here because how many of these players is he actually going to need in these World Cup qualifiers? Yes, it's four days in quick succession, four matches in quick succession, but surely there are enough players in Europe that he could have filled out the squad that way. And on top of that, it's not like they're taking on Brazil. They're playing... With all due respect, minnows of the Asian Football Confederation, and if your European-based players can't handle it, then we're probably not going to make the World Cup anyway, so why are we worrying too much? Yeah, I, I, I was trying to do the math before, is that you know, with Mel- Melbourne City and, and Sydney FC, potentially, if they finish 1-2, they'll probably get all their players back anyway. Because it's... Because the final game is on June the, is on June the 12th or something like that, the, and uh, the finals will probably kick off around about the 16th. I don't know. I haven't seen the schedule yet, so I don't know what the APL decide to do with that. But, um, yeah, I don't think it's going to be... At least they'll probably get for the grand final and you know, and then Champions League beyond that. So, I, I, I don't know what it is. But, uh, look, I, I can't add more than that. You know, it's, it's extraordinary times. Um, and, you know what? When you've got a player that has you know, scored 25 you know, goals in a season... He's going to get picked for his national team because it'd be a bigger, it'd be a bigger inquiry if he did not. Especially if, if you know, he's if Jamie McLaren is stuck here playing, you know, for Melbourne City. Now, with all due respect, you know, it comes back to the club versus country thing. So he was always going to like if you have a player that excels that much, and and like I said, Jamie McLaren scored almost double the next player. So he is that far ahead of everyone else as far as scoring goals a season. If he's an Australian. You know what? You've got to pick him for the national team. So, well, I don't know. Like I said, when you produce players like that, what do you expect? Well, that being said as well, I also think, you know, it, it does make perfect sense in hindsight why Graham Arnold selected Jamie McLaren for these qualifiers because, you know, he's used to being a flat-track bully and is more than happy to beat up on A-League defenders that he's far better than. So, why isn't he going to do it on the international stage with the World Cup qualifiers? What are you going to be like that for, James? He should be in Europe. I'm sorry. Like, he should be. I, I agree. He's he too good for the A-League, and he's happy to just go and rack up yeah. the stats, pad it in a league that is below him. He should be over in Europe, plain and simple. He should. But two quick, two quick points. Adam mentioned the players might be back for the finals. Why do they have to do quarantine anyway? Oh, they get back, they're yes. Gonna, they're going to sorry. have to do no, no, quarantine yeah, you're anyway, right. so, they're, so they're not going to be no, 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 yep, for the I... finals in any event, Adam. But no, that's one. The other right. thing is... Uh, James, you mentioned that there's four games in a short period of time and it's all just about over with anyway. Maybe this is why he's picking all these players from the A-League, giving them the opportunity. He's he's identified them as players for the future, for maybe for Qatar or the next Asian Cup. These guys are going to be involved. I want them involved now. They're going to get minutes. So maybe that's why he's picked them. But I, even if they're not involved, they're not playing again in the A-League season. They're, Jamie McLaren's next game for Melbourne City will probably be in the Asian Champions League. And same with the three guys to Sydney FC. Unless, of course, they get over there and, real, and they get sent back early because uh, the squad no, has to I, be condensed. No, I, I completely forgot about the quarantine aspect. I was ble- I was thinking of a world where we don't have that, but unless the Australian government backflips in the next week about international quarantine, yeah, that will pretty much rule out um, all these players and the guys like Jamie McLaren and whatnot... They may as well head over to Thailand and catch up with the teams um, for for Champions League and whatnot because, uh, yeah, they ain't come back to Australia anytime soon. So I apologise for that. 
There we go. Okay, so we've got to move on now. Um, before we get into the next local football point, I did get reminded that I threw out a challenge on last week's podcast as well, asking about the APL clubs. And the post has actually disappeared off my phone now, but we did have a correct answer from, I believe it was Michael. My apologies if I've got that wrong as I'm frantically scrolling through our Facebook timeline. Um, yeah, the correct answer was... At least three of the clubs are listed as um, AAFC or whatever members on their website um, are actually currently defunct because there was, Adam, was it Far North Queensland? Um, There's actually a number of clubs, more than just three, but uh, Far North Queensland Heat, uh, Northern Fury and Gold Coast Coast City City all stand out. Those East three clubs, believe it or not, were defunct before the AAFC was even officially born. So I would ask questions on why a club that does clubs that do not exist are listed as members of a organisation that came along after their demise. But uh, funny things have happened. Yeah, and uh, it was Michael with the correct answer. Yes. Yeah, they were the three clubs, weren't they? they were- Gold Coast, Northern Fury, and FNQ Heat with a thread list on there. Did you get any correspondence back from McMike, Adam, after your rant of epic proportions last week? Well, I've got him blocked, so I don't know. He may, <laughs> he may, he may, he may have he may have done a 15-minute YouTube video for all I know. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, what happened to not mentioning that idiot on the show again? My mistake. Okay, Scott, you're banned. Next, <laughs> we're going to move on um, and have, uh, yeah, one other final point as well is just say if there is anyone from the AAFC who would like to clarify that uh, our messages are always open send it through and let us know okay um, if you want to get a recap of the NPL listen to the NPL Sunday show we are going to quickly touch on the FFA Cup results from the last few days because Sunshine Coast Wanderers advanced on Sunday night 3-1 win over Surface Paradise Apollo Lions FC and Gold Coast Knights both had convincing 5-0 wins in their match, while Olympic also had a very comfortable uh, win. I spoke with Lions FC coach Darren Syme after their win over Logan 5-0, and he was in a pretty good mood, I think it's fair to say. All right, joined on the Brisbane Football Review by Darren Syme. 5-0 win into the final round of qualification. Was it the win you guys needed? Absolutely. Yeah, you know, it was... uh... It was always going to be a challenging game coming here midweek um, after a, you know, a, a tough game against Easts. But, but the boys were, were fantastic tonight. From the first kick of the game, um, I felt we were in complete control. Um, there was a level of intensity tonight that I haven't seen in a while. Um, so from a coaching perspective, it was, uh, it was an impressive you know, game to watch. And uh, Jordan got things started with an excellent free kick. Did that sort of give the players that little bit of an extra boost, not that they really needed it. No, well, it's always nice to score early, isn't it? Um, it takes a little bit of pressure off, uh, and it was a quality, quality free kick. He's not normally on free kicks, but he was obviously, you know, very focused tonight and felt that he can contribute. And, you know, he's scoring goals for fun at the moment. So, you know, when he's in that sort of form, you, you give him the ball. And obviously the clean sheet as well. How important was that for you guys as the match wore on? Logan went down to 10 uh, was that priority number one? Absolutely, yeah. I think for us, we've been conceding far too many goals through our own misadventure and, and decisions. So tonight it was really about ensuring that we minimise mistakes um, to not allow them into the game. Um, and I thought the boys took no chances tonight and uh, I'm, I'm very, very happy that we did keep a clean sheet as I'm sure they are as well. Definitely, and obviously you've got a very full squad at the moment, a lot of competition for places. How, how helpful is it for you as a manager just being able to say, all right, you know, you've got to perform, otherwise, you know, we've got plenty of uh, backup options? Yep, it's a, it's a good position to be in, there's no doubt. Um, certainly makes training very, very competitive, and that's what you want as a coach. Um, you know, boys are going to miss out. Um, they're aware of that. They're not happy about it, but that's up to me to, you know, to explain and, and, and justify and... You know, they're a close-knit group and um, they'll do everything for the squad. So, 
And finally, so you're into the final round of FFA Cup qualification, trying to get Lions back on the national stage for the first time since 2018. Mm. Um, you've got, I believe it's Brisbane City or Ipswich Knights in the next round. Assuming you'll be tuning in tomorrow night? Absolutely, yeah. I, I think it's Southwest Queensland South Thunder. I think yep. it is, yes. Yeah, yeah. My mistake. No, that's all right. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, obviously I've been keeping an eye on them through, through, uh, through the vision uh, on MPL TV and, and, and that. So. With the wonderful commentators, of course. Fantastic. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, that's why I tune in. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so uh, yeah, whomever, whomever we meet, um, we'll be ready to go. Yeah. Definitely. Well, Darren, congratulations on the win tonight. Best of luck for the game on the weekend and for the cup run going forward. Thank you for your time. Appreciate that. Thanks very much. And big thanks to Darren for his time after that win. It was a, it was a win they had to have, wasn't it, Adam? Yeah, um, we, we talked about extensively on the Sunday show about the, the shock result against East in the league on Saturday night where they were up 3-0 after an hour and completely folded to be three to finish 3-all. That's just not Lions. As as we've known them for almost a decade, the, 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 that's just not in the DNA of the club. So something's obviously gone amiss. It sounds like that, you know, obviously they've had a bit of a heart-to-heart sort of, you know, honesty session and they've come out in the best possible way because we were fearing that maybe Lions, you know, after after that result, you know, where was the rock going to further set in? You know, Logan might have surprised them, but certainly they came back and answered that emphatically. And I think for Lions, the FFA Cup represents, I think this is, this is, this is it for them. This is, this is like I said, their finals... Even making the finals is going to be a challenge at this stage. Uh, looking at the table right now, they're probably good enough to still get there. But you know, this this may be the last chance for sort of any sort of success this season at their level. Like any other club, probably be happy with what they've got. But you know, for, for Lions, um, yeah, like I said, the, the FFA Cup, yeah, you know, that, that's just all important now. So, so we'll see what happens in the next round. Okay, Scott, you're unbanned. I was, was going to say shorter span ever that, but. I do. I, look, this is it for Lions. Though, isn't they're sitting seventh in the league, sixth or seventh in the league now, and it's not the um, title defence they would have hoped for. But there's a lot of new players there, and it's certainly a rebuilding year. But if they can get to the national round of 32 in the FFA Cup and continue their continue to um, put themselves on that on that level of Australian football, I think that's a pretty good season for them. You'll always back them in in that sort of situation too, won't you? If they get to that level, they've got the know-how and the pedigree to deliver. I think they're going to play either Brisbane City or Southwest Queensland Thunder away from home in round seven. So they're playing it's against an FQPL side, albeit one which could be either a long trip or a local rival. We'll have to see what happens with that game. But you'd say that they're in a pretty good spot there to be able to be the favourites. At least if they get there, they'll do well. The other games over the last couple of days have been pretty, pretty well expected, haven't they? I mean... Surface Paradise, they put up a fight against Sunshine Coast, but the Wanderers got the job done, and Olympic and Gold Coast were always favourites to get through as well, so it's the it's the big names getting through, but that's what you want, James. We want our best teams in the FFA Cup round of 32, and we've always pretty much had that, but we want them, we don't just want teams to get there and be happy with that, we want them to get there and go deep into the tournament, because it's a, it's a validation of what which NPL is the strongest, and don't forget the last NPL side to make the semi-finals was the Brisbane Strikers, so they won't be doing that this year. I can absolutely guarantee that for, <laughs> for many, many reasons, but we want our Queensland teams to do well in the FFA Cup, and there's some pretty strong contenders there in Round 7 already. Definitely. There are two matches still to be played in Round 6 uh, at the time of recording. Penn Power and Ipswich Knights kick off about an hour from now, and Brisbane City hosts Southwest Queensland Thunder. That is an 8pm Wednesday kickoff. By the time you're listening to this, You'll probably know who wins, so you can fill in the blanks right now. Okay, we should move on. Um, and we are going to now finish off the show, I believe, yes, with a quick talk about this Sunday afternoon's game at Bankwest Stadium, the Raw taking on the Wanderers. And boy, for the Raw, it really is important for them to keep this momentum going, not only because, obviously, they could finish the weekend quite high up uh, the table, but for the Wanderers, depending on their result against uh, Wellington tonight, they could they could still have a chance of making the finals. You mentioned the table, Adam. I mean, sorry, James. I mean, 
That's okay. We've only been doing this for five years. Oh, no. I'll get your name right eventually. What's your name again? <laughs> Tim something? But no, look. The Roar are fourth on the table, but they've got they've got a game in hand on second place Sydney FC who are on 41 points because Sydney have only got two games left to play. The Roar still have three games to play. So if the Roar can get a win in either of these next two games, if they win these next two games, they will be playing Sydney FC next Saturday afternoon at Dolphin Stadium. Second spot could be on the line still. People thought second was gone. It's still potentially on because Sydney FC play Adelaide this weekend and then they've travelled to Brisbane next weekend. So it's still potentially there for the Raw. They've got to play Western Sydney, which you mentioned in this game. They've also got Perth midweek. So if they can get points in those two games, James, it's, it, it's still potentially there for the Raw to finish in the top two. The final spot, I think, is not mathematically secured at the moment, but it's basically secured for them. Western Sydney v Wellington tonight's a huge game for those two teams, but from the Raw's point of view, it would take a massive collapse and a massively outrageous set of results for them to miss the finals at this point. So congratulations to Warren. They almost certainly will be playing finals. But top two's not out of the equation, James. Yeah, and I think that's probably the important thing for them to think of uh, going into this game is that they will be like they'll be definitely run down heading into the finals and getting that extra match off and only having to win two games to be crowned champions instead of being needing to win three and probably two would be on the road if not three depending on other results. Also that depending is, on Melbourne, who knows what's going to happen there? Oh the yeah, another story. Yeah. Well, that's it. So the more you, the more advantages that you can give yourself here, it's base. It's basically, you know, still should be treated like another three uh, finals games starting this uh, weekend. Well, the, it's it's interesting that what will happen on Sunday will actually all depend on what happens tonight in the game between um, between Wanderers and the Knicks. Because um, if if Wanderers lose that, they go on a Sunday basically with really nothing to play for um, maybe the only thing you play for is to make sure they go on Mad Monday earlier than the others rather than have to go through um, an FFA Cup uh, qualifier so because that's the price for 7th and 8th uh, is Mad Monday so so yeah it's it's interesting but look if but then again if Wanderers do win they're right back in, in, in play. And, you know, like I said, they're, they're, they're hosting Brisbane Raw on Sunday with, you know, a chance of, you know, getting getting back into the finals race. So, look, at the moment, I'm, I'm almost reserving judgment until I know what happens because what what happened, the result tonight will certainly, you know, it'll predicate what does happen Sunday and the attitude that Western Sydney, you know, going to. As far as the Raw goes, they've just got to worry about themselves and keep on winning. And I think that's what Warren Moon, you know, repeatedly has said in the press conferences, you know, last couple of weeks. They've just got to worry about themselves, keep on winning, and let the rest do themselves. Yeah, Wanderers have got two home games this week. They've got to win at least one of them. And they probably yep. look at this one midweek against Wellington as the most likely, given Wellington are coming off the big high of the crowd last weekend. They're travelling back over to Australia again. They're going home again after this, so... They probably view that tonight as the most winnable, but if they don't get the points tonight, then Sunday's do or die for them. Whereas for the Raw, yes, they want to win, and the top two would be on the line potentially, depending on what happens with Sydney versus Adelaide, but it's not an essential that the Raw win, as opposed to it would be essential for the Wanderers. We'll have to wait and see what happens tonight. Definitely. All right. I think that'll just about do us on this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Scott, what are we going to be talking about not this time next week, because the Raw will be playing Perth in about 15 minutes this time before next week. You, before you say that, we've also got to talk about the fact that the Raw probably will make some changes to the game because um, Aldrin and Gillespie, well, Warren Moon did mention in the press conference last night that those guys are probably going to be available for selection, and that's two massive inclusions in that, in that defensive third. So I would imagine that that would probably be the changes. But what are we going to be talking about? I think we're going to be talking about the Raw, Raw versus Sydney for a top two spot. I think it's on. I think they'll be playing for it next week. I'm not. I've got no idea if they're going to be able to achieve it or not, but I think it'll be on the line for them. So okay. That's what I think we'll be talking about next week. Okay, Adam. Quickly, what are we going to be talking about this time next week or next Thursday? Uh, we're on the brink of getting a bye in the first round of the finals. Quick and succinct, just how I liked it. 
Thank you, everyone, for listening to this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. Thank you, Adams. Yeah, thanks, boys. Yeah, it was fun as always. Been a lot of good football uh, over the past week. Get out and watch the Raw when you can over the next uh, week as well. And also make sure you get out to an NPL, FQPL or whatever local ground because there's a lot of good quality football going on there or tune in on NPL TV. We'll be back with another edition of the podcast this time next week. We'll talk to you then.